Would you turn with me this evening to a scripture in the book of Proverbs that I'm just sure you're going to be excited about? (laughs) Y'all are laughing. Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30. Phyllis and I are not here this week to uh, tell you that we got it all figured out about marriage or know all about it. Uh, We can tell you that we're in a lot better shape than we were years ago. I'm thankful for that. And to let you know what has worked for us, what has helped us produce results in our lives. We're not here to correct folks. We're not here to try to straighten people out. The Word of God will set you free. Right? If you know the truth, the truth will make you free. In uh, Proverbs 30, some of y'all look like you're just kind of braced, like you're just like, okay, I'm ready. Let me have no, 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 we're not out to zap you now. <laughs> Anything I preach to you, I got to preach to myself. I mean, this word's no one-way deal. But uh, something that I have found to be one of the biggest issues we're going to deal with some tonight. Proverbs 30, 30th chapter of Proverbs, and this is a verse I don't know how familiar you are with it. In verse 15, Proverbs 30, 15. Everybody there? First two words says, the horse leech. We're going to be talking about that tonight. You might know what a horse leech is? Well, it's a leech. Just a big one. (laughs) Big old horse leech. The horse leech has two daughters. And what do they say? Give. Give. There are three things that are never satisfied. Never satisfied. Yea, four things say it is not enough. The grave, the barren womb, the earth not filled with water, and fire that says not it's enough. Said out loud, never enough, never Never satisfied, satisfied. give, give. Give, give. (laughs) Rick, can I go anywhere with that? (laughs) Let me read you some other translations of this wonderful verse. The New Living says, the leech, the leech has two suckers that cry out, more, more. There are three other things, no four, that are never satisfied. He lists them. The leech has two suckers. Everybody say suckers. (laughs) What do suckers say? More, more. Give me more. The English version says, The leech has two daughters and both are named Give Me. (laughs) Give me, give me. More, more. Give, give. Now why are y'all laughing? Leech. Now, if you look this word up in the Hebrew, 
The word leech literally means to suck. Sucker. So the title of my message tonight is (laughs) Sucker or Sower? Sucker or Sower? (laughs) Help me, Lord. The, uh, you know, it's true. It's sad, but it's true that there are so many people that in different situations, there's just no pleasing them. I mean, uh, no matter what you do, it's never enough. There are some uh, men that's like that. There's some women that's like that. Always want something else. Never enough, never satisfied. And they don't realize it, but they are a sucker. And they're always crying, give, give. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You should have done this. More, more. What's that sound like? (laughs) Suckers. Like a leech. What is a leech? a sucker but there's another name parasite a leech is a parasite what's a parasite a parasite is a creature that lives off of the life of something else right literally in these cases like a mosquito or a leech literally sucking the life blood out of their host Right? And the life's in the blood, and they live off the life that's in the blood, but they're taking the life out of something else to sustain their self. And you'll find that all relationships basically fall into two big categories. Parasitic or edifying. In relationships, you'll find that people are generally one of the two at some given time. They're either trying to pull something out of the other person or they're trying to put something in to the other person. Pulling out or putting in. It's quiet in here tonight. But how many have seen that too? How many think that that's an observance? Pretty much all relationships, I said, fall into one of these two main categories, either parasitic or edifying. Now, you're in Proverbs already. Just back up a page or two to the 28th chapter. Look at another wonderful verse. (laughs) How many believe every verse is in here for a reason? Right? How many of we can learn volumes from this verse about the horse leech? Right? No question. But you might not have heard it recently. But it's important. 28th chapter. The 28th chapter of Proverbs. In the 28th chapter and the uh, third verse, it says, A poor man that oppresses the poor 
is like a sweeping rain which leaves no food. No food. Another translation says, when a poor man oppresses the poor, he's like an unexpected flood that sweeps away their last hope. In other words, it's like a flood that leaves nothing. When the poor oppress the poor, the person that has nothing, trying to take away something from somebody else that has little to nothing, right? And when you get through with that, what's left? I mean, absolutely nothing. Like the water has swept the place clean and bare, I mean, there's nothing. Now, in uh, my few years of ministry, Phyllis and myself both, we've had opportunity to deal with numerous marriages that people were having problems in. I don't mean once or twice, I guess hundreds over the years. And you hear this kind of thing. Husband and wife, they're upset. You can tell they got rings under their eyes. Their eyes are bloodshot. They haven't been sleeping. You can tell they've been having hellish situations at their house. They got no love feelings for each other. One of them sitting over here, one of them sitting over there. And you know, I mean, you can tell the anger and rage is just right at the surface. They're trying to be nice, but it's, you just push, it's like a sponge full of water. You push it a little bit, it's going to come out. I have heard it go this way again and again and again. You say, well, you know, what's the problem? One of them starts to say something, the other say something. Well, no, you go first. Okay, well, you go first. All right. Well, they're not doing this. And they're not doing that. And I have needs. And they don't care. And they're not taking care of me like this. And they're not doing this for me. And and they're not doing that for me. What does that sound like? Huh? Give me. Right? Give me. You're not giving me. And I mean they won't go but a few minutes. The other person will say, well, I have needs too. You're not doing this for me. And when I need this, you're not there for me. And you don't care about this. I care about it. And you don't care about it. And you're not there for me. And what about this? What does that sound like? Give me. You give me. And they say, well, you give me. Well, you give me. And then, of course, they'll get, you know, a religious about it. Well, the Bible says... You're supposed to submit to me and respect me and help me. He said, well, the Bible says you're supposed to love me and nurture me and care about me. Well, if you'd submit to me like you're supposed to, maybe I could love you like I'm supposed to. Well, if you'd love me like you're supposed to, maybe I could submit to you like I'm supposed to. Now, let's examine this. What's going on? What are both sides saying? Give me. You got to give me this. If you give me this, maybe one day, some way, I could give you something back. <laughs> well, bless God, you got to give me something. You got to bring something to the table. And you hear people base their life on all kind of stuff that's got no scriptural basis. Well, you know, marriage is a 50 50 proposition. Said who? I said, said who? There's no scripture for that. Well, it's a whole lot of give and take. Where's that at? What what scripture is that? 
You see what I'm talking about? See, people's lives are built on all kind of unscriptural, unbiblical things. And, you know, I've heard different teachings on marriage and read a few books along the line, too. And, and so many people, they try to find out, well, what's the biggest problem in marriage? And, and a lot of folks will say, well, it's communication, lack of communication. Poor communication is the biggest problem, they say, in marriage. Some say, well, you know, kids and money and, and sex and, and religion, these are all the biggest problems. But I tell you, no. Mm-mm. For instance, communication. Now, you need good communication, no question about it. But I disagree with people that say that the biggest problem in marriages is communication. I disagree with that soundly. You can be communicating perfectly and completely and destroy your marriage. You know, be free and tell me exactly how you feel. And they say, well, really, I hate your guts. (laughs) And I'm sick of looking at you every morning. And I just can't stand to be around you anymore. You were honest about how you felt. And you communicated freely. They said, well, now that you bring it up, I hate your guts too. Now where are we? Huh? We're communicating. We're telling each other exactly how we feel. But see, spiritual people are not supposed to focus on how they feel. Let me tell you, the, the. You don't often hear me use these kind of all-inclusive qualifiers. The biggest problem in marriages starts with an S. Selfishness. The biggest cause and root cause of all problems in marriages is selfishness. It is a failure to walk in the New Testament commandment, which is to love. Right? It's a failure. And one of the big things that you see in 1 Corinthians 13 about what love is, is it says, 13.5 I believe it is, says love seeks not her own. Right? It's not always talking and thinking about me and what I need. The leech has two daughters and all they say is give me, give me. They're suckers. How many want to make up your mind that you are not going to be a sucker? You are not going to be a parasite. You're not going to be somebody who just pulls on the other person for something all the time. And like the scripture that we read, the poor, the person who doesn't have anything, oppressing somebody else who doesn't have anything, what do you wind up with? A bare table like a flood came through and swept away every blade of grass. Well, you got two people sitting across from each other going, well, you're not giving me enough. And he says, well, you're not giving me enough. She says, you're certainly not giving me anything. Well, you're not giving me. Both persons are pulling, trying to suck. Nobody's giving anything. There's nothing to receive. That's how people get to the place where they're desolate in their marriage. Where they lie in the same bed and feel like they're 100 miles apart. That's how they get there. Selfishness. Everybody say selfishness. That's the big problem. Selfishness. Now here's the good news, friend. I mean, it's wonderful when you get revelation along these lines. Here's the good news. 
How do you get out of a bad financial situation? Anybody know? What if you're, I mean, you're in a bad way. If you're in a bad way financially, what do you need? You need some harvest, right? You need some money coming in. You need some financial harvest. What comes before harvest? Sowing. How do you get out of it? I tell you, I got so excited decades ago. Phyllis and I were broke. We owed everybody. We were behind on our taxes. We hadn't been given like we should. We were in a bad way. And I got so excited. I got revelation. I saw I can give my way out of this. And we begin to sow. At first, small amounts, you know, $5 and $10 and $20. And soon, it wasn't that long, we're giving $50, giving $100. And more time passed, we're sowing $1,000. And we came out. I said we came out. Came out of debt, caught up. Why? You got to quit focusing on the problem. You got to quit talking about the need. You got to quit talking about what you don't have and start doing something about it. Right? So, you sow financial seed and you begin to call those things that be not as though they were. And the moment you do that, you start coming out. How many understand? You can't just lay around and feel sorry for yourself and look at the bills and say, talk about what I don't have. Man, we got to have $80,000 and I don't have a thousand. Where in the world are we going to get it? And just talk about, I need the money. I need money. I got to have money. I'm in debt. I'm in bad shape. How many of you do that long enough? You are going down. What do you got to do? Got to make, sow some seed, right? Help some, even if it's a small seed, help somebody else get out of debt. Begin to put the Lord first like you're supposed to. Begin to call those things that be not as though they were. Even though you're in bad shape, say, I call every bill paid. I call every need met. I'm not broke. I'm rich. I'm coming out. Well, how do you come out of a sickness situation? Hmm? Same way. If you're in a bad way with sickness, what do you need? A healing harvest. Right? So what should we do? Just look at the problem and go, oh my, I got cancer. Oh my, I got a tumor. Oh my, I got diabetes. Oh, I got high blood pressure. What am I going to do? It's worse this week than it was last week. I need help. I need help. Somebody's got to help me. That's how you go down. That's how you perish. Sow some healing seed. Now, in this case, if it's your body that needs healing, you ought to begin sowing healing seed into you. Right? That's why we spent months around here talking about healing and and all the tapes are available. A lot of good materials from a lot of ministries available to you. But sow it. Begin to sow that seed of healing. Think healing and talk healing in the morning at noon when the sun goes down. And don't look at the problem. Begin to say, I call my body whole. I call my body healed. I'll not die. I'll live. Call those things that be not as though they were. How many can testify it works? You know personally you have come out. Been healed. Yeah. Look at these hands everywhere. Okay. Is it different in marriage? Or do we not live by faith in every area? Isn't sowing and reaping the universal law? Well, what if we got a problem in our marriage? What if we got no love feelings anymore? What if we've been fighting like cats and dogs and they're just miserable? What do we need? We need a love harvest. Right, we, we need some grace harvest. 
We need some help. So what's the first step? What's the first step? You must sow something. Right? Begin to sow. And in marriage, since you're not just married to yourself, you're married to that other person, you must begin to sow into them. Oh, friend, if you get this, it'll turn your life around. I'm telling you now. Begin to sow into them. Make investments into your spouse. Make investments into your children. Make investments into your family. What do you mean? Investments of time. Investments of love. Investments of giving. Right? Now, you don't have to feel like this. You don't have to feel like doing it to do it. Just have some spiritual and scriptural wisdom. Begin to sow into that person. Treat them nice when you feel like slapping them. (laughs) Huh? (laughs) Even though you feel like you deserve something, don't say anything about it. Let it go. And don't go around chafed about it. Is everything okay? Yeah. Everything's all right. Oh, that's being a baby. Did you hear me? Yeah. Whiny baby. That's right. (laughs) How do you come out of a bad marriage? I say, well, divorce that rascal and get you a new one. (laughs) It's only going to be a matter of time till you find out that they got flesh too. And your flesh is still with you. So what are you going to do? Just keep trading them out like a new car? Well, the thrill is gone. The news wore off this one. I believe I'll get me a new one. That's not okay. It's practiced pretty much. But it's not okay. No, make investments into what you have. Value what you have. Make investments. And as you make investments, and not only that, just like in finances, just like in healing, begin to call those things that be not as though they were. How many of you ain't going to help you, ladies, by saying, that's the sorriest man I believe I ever saw. Lazy. (laughs) Won't lift a hand to help me around the house. He won't take the spiritual lead. Just lay around in the chair and watch football. What's he good for? How many stand that is not going to help him? And that's not going to help you. You are talking a deficiency. At least in your eyes. What must you do if you want to harvest? Sow. Make investments. And one thing you sow into people is faith. Right? How much more? I mean, if we should believe in people we don't even hardly know, how much more should we believe in the people in our own house? Put faith in them. And put your words of faith in them. They don't even have to be around them to hear them all the time. You just say, I mean, maybe he just did something stupid. You just say, I got a good man. (laughs) It don't look like it. Say, shut up. I don't walk by sight. (laughs) I got a good man. And you might say the same thing. You instead of saying, that woman is driving me nuts. What is wrong with her? Well, that ain't going to help you. I said, that's not going to help you. Make investments. I got a good woman. I tell you what, Proverbs 31 woman. Godly woman. This is the woman other men wish they had. This is the woman other women can look up to. 
<laughs> your eyes and your history may say, you got to be joking. You say, shut up, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> My wife is a strong woman, spiritual woman, godly woman. How many understand this is right yeah. to do this yeah. and say this? How many understand most people, most people never do this? I'm talking about church going people. No, they don't do this. They just make investments. Excuse me. They make demands, I should say. And they're always asking for something. And they make no deposits. They make no investments. How many understand when you don't sow any seed, you're foolish to think you're going to have a harvest? And that's one reason we've tried to express to the church and the people, you know, uh, last year, a lot of people didn't come to the marriage meeting. Why? Well, they don't see the necessity of it. And a lot of times it's sad because people don't realize what a flimsy foundation they're on until things are pushed a little bit and somebody pops up and says, well, I'm divorcing you. Well, I thought everything was going along pretty good. No, they were on a flimsy foundation. They were in this gimme, gimme mode for years and you can't go like that indefinitely. It's going to come up and bite you. It's going to catch you. Oh, but the wise man. The wise woman invests love actions, invests faith words, invests praying for your husband, praying for your wife. That's a novel idea, isn't it? And I don't mean pray. God, get them. Get them. I mean, show them I'm right. No, no. (laughs) No. I'm talking about sowing good seed. Right? (laughs) Glory be to God. Thanks be to God for the word that produces wonderful results. Go with me please to Genesis. Let me give you a couple of uh, biblical examples of what we're talking about. Is this all right tonight? Sometimes things sound very simplistic. And folk keep looking for an answer after they hear it. But friend, this will solve most of your marriage problems. Just this one thing right here. Stop asking for something. Start giving something. Right? Stop sucking. Start sowing. Stop saying gimme. Start saying here, let me. Right? Let me do this. Let me do this for you. Let me give you this. You know, Phyllis and I are, um, you know, we really have the last few years enjoyed a good marriage. I wouldn't stand up here and lie to you. We have. I mean, we go months and months and not even a crossword. I'm not lying. It was not always that way. (laughs) I mean... For the first 15 years of our marriage, we had trouble. I'm glad we didn't quit after five. I'm glad we didn't quit after 10. I mean, we had a lot of trouble. There were times we stayed up all night long and were in much worse shape when we got through than when we started. (laughs) There were a few times. Some things happened, you know, that we felt were so substantial that we really, you know, the only reason we stayed together was just because we thought we were supposed to in God. 
But now looking back on that, it's like a bad dream. Did you hear me? And what we were doing during that time was exactly what I'm describing. You know? In our big discussions, you know, I'd tell her, well, you're not helping me. You're pulling against me. And she was. And she'd say, well, you're not loving me and you're not caring about me. And I wasn't. So now where are you? We've established the facts of the case. (laughs) And it's still late at night and you're no closer to any solution than when you started. Right? We're having fun now, aren't we? (laughs) And Phyllis will be talking to you tomorrow night, and she can tell you some more along this as she has in her heart. But the thing where things begin to change for us is we begin to get our minds off of ourselves and what the other person ought to do for us. We begin to forget about that. And begin to grow up spiritually and begin to take our responsibilities to minister to each other seriously. And begin to sow and make investments. What I'm going to do for you. What you're going to do for me. Not, okay, I did something for you. Now what are you going to do for me? How many understand if you do that, you never gave anything? I mean, like if you bring an offering to the church. You go, Brother Keith, I put in $100,000. So what are you going to do for me now? I'm going to give it back to you right now because you're not wanting to give something. You're wanting to buy something. You're wanting to trade something. Did you hear me? When you give, when you truly give, there are no strings. You're not asking for anything. You're not secretly expecting. So, well, now, come on, you know, I scratched your back. So it's your turn. And I said, well, you know, it's 50-50. No, no, no. It's giving. I said, it's giving. Love gives. And then does what? And give. God, our Father, is the ultimate giver. What does he keep doing? What if he got aggravated with us every other day? What if he said, look, y'all are not returning to me according to what I'm doing for you. I'm going to begin to cut stuff off. After tomorrow, sunlight only half a day. <laughs> Y'all are not giving me, you know, according to what I'm putting into this relationship, I'm just not getting out. You're not giving to me like I'm giving to you. So tomorrow it'll be just a breath every other breath. <laughs> kind of give you a little reminder. Of what I'm doing for you and you're not doing for me. No, no. What happens? He rains, sends the rain on the just and the unjust. Sun shines on the sinner just like it does you. Why? He is a giver. He just gives all day and all night. And if people are mean and ugly, he just keeps being good. Just keeps blessing. Just keeps sowing. Right? And if we don't do everything that we ought to do, he's still good to us. We come up short if we're mean and rebellious. He's still there for us when we come back. He'll forgive us. Just keep giving and giving and giving even in spite of us. How about you? Are you your father's child? Then you are a giver just like that. So what do you do in your marriage? 
I give. And then what do you do? You give. Then what do you do? Just keep giving and giving. Instead of saying, give me, give me, give me, you just keep giving, 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 making investments. How many understand that this is the law of sowing and reaping? You cannot do this continually until what's going to happen? Harvest. It's going to start coming back to you. Right? Harvest. You keep sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing, you're going to have to start reaping. Right? And it'll come to you through many different ways. Don't, don't just get your eyes on your spouse. God can do things in your heart. Change you so that you're not so needy. <laughs> Did you get that now? Not so needy. You feel sorry for some folks. Because literally, their spouse is just sucking the life out of them. And a lot of people just do it to each other. Always pulley, pulley, needy, needy. You know, you're not spending enough time with me. And, and you talk to them longer than you did me. And, 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 and you're always working. And, and, and I think you love the kids more than you love me. And, and That's right. suck, suck, <laughs> suck, yeah. leech. Amen. Did you hear me? Yes, needy. Who wants to be around clingy, clingy, no. needy, needy all the time? No. Oh, don't forget me. You, you left too quick. You, you didn't think about me. You never think about me. And if, you, if you're pulling on the other person and they're all the time going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, that gets old. Yeah. You didn't do this. I'm sorry. You didn't do this. After a while, they get to thinking, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I wish you would go away. (laughs) Y'all want to stand up and stretch or breathe or something? I mean, (laughs) you can take a little more, can't you? All right. Genesis 30. Are you there? Genesis 30. You want to turn there? The Lord told us, you remember a few months ago, he said, I'm growing this church up quickly. Remember that? Well, I I just believe we're not going to be a bunch of whiny, needy, clingy, insecure people, selfish people, suckers. (laughs) No, 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 no. We're not suckers. We're sowers, right? We're not people that pull out of other folks. We put in. I keep coming back to this. You know, I, I've been in, in many funerals in the ministry. And it's sad that so many times at such a crucial point in people's lives, people will come around and pull on the very ones that need to be ministered to. Pull on them. You know, come and just cry and go, I just don't know what we're going to do. What are we going to do without your daddy? I don't know what in the world we're going to do. Well, they're actually, they don't realize it, but they're pulling on this one. You know, and and I've seen people in my own life. I've been the one who's got a relative right there, their body in the casket. And I had to minister to half the people that came in there. Because they're just basket case. Well, they should be coming in there ministering to me. Bringing some strength to the table. Right? 
And you see that in situation after situation. And how many understand the world is full of suckers? They don't mean, they don't mean to be that way. They don't think they're that way, but they come in and they pull on you. They pull on you. In ministry, Phyllis and I have found this as we've gone on further. That's one reason why I don't do some things. And some people have not understood this. Well, why don't you always stand around and talk to everybody? And why don't you always, you know, do this? Or why don't you always go out with everybody? Why don't you always do this? I do as the Lord leads us. I mean, we don't just stay shut up. But I've learned when I'm out on the road. A lot of times people have not known. Uh, sometimes the ministers, sometimes the people, right, they want to keep you and talk with you all afternoon before the service. And then after the service, they want to keep you and talk to you, you know, all night. Well, that pulls on you. They don't realize they're pulling on you. They're looking at you and say, Brother Keith, what do you think about this? And then they want you to preach to them for an hour. Well, if it's right, that's okay. But if you leave that situation and find somebody else is pulling on you, and then somebody else is pulling on you, and if you don't learn to get quiet and build up, then how many understand if you've got 50 suckers hanging on you? <laughs> After a while, you come in and people say, Brother Keith, you look a little pale. He said, well, maybe it's these 50 suckers I got pulling the life out of me. And it's not just about preachers. This is about everybody. That's why I've said, you know, if you, let's say that you're really having uh, something that you're fighting about a physical problem in your own body. Uh, there's some days, you know, you look at the ID and it's ain't Mildred on the phone. And you know, if you answer it, she's going to ask you a hundred times. Well, how do you feel? Or how do you really feel? Don't, don't, you don't give me all this faith confession stuff though. Tell me, you look pale last time I saw you. You just didn't look like you felt good. And you just know you do not need to talk to Aunt Mildred today. Why? Because with that, she, she don't mean to be, but she sucked the faith out of you. Right? Well, and I know y'all believe that down at that Faith Life Church. Y'all pretty excitable bunch. But sometimes you just never know. <laughs> and people don't realize it, but sucking, you know, pulling. So make up your mind you're not going to be like that. Look, look at this situation here, and you, you'll see a husband and a wife, and you see this kind of thing going on, and you see this kind of thing going on, and you see the effects of it. Genesis 30, are you there? Verse 1. Rachel, or I guess uh, some markings, pronunciation have it, Raquel. We're used to saying Rachel, either one. She's not here. But <laughs> we'll meet her later on, but... Uh, when she saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister. And she said to Jacob, that's her husband, give me children or else I'll die. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> what is that? Is she pulling on him? <laughs> Big time. If you don't do something, I'm going to die. Right? Now we laugh, but how many times people have said something like that in their relationship? I can't make it like this. If you don't do something, 
you don't change, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, I can't make it. And verse 2, what kind of effect did this have on her husband? His anger was kindled. One translation said he went into a rage. This is Jacob, right? He's covenant man, right? Boy, I tell you what, though. He went into a rage against Rachel, and he said, Am I in God's stead? One translation said, Am I God? Who's withheld with you the fruit of the womb? Am I God? Only God can give you a baby. Pressure. Anger. You see all this. See, these are some of the problems that create huge problems. Some of the actions and reactions. Pulling. Pressure. And rage. People, if, they, if you have to be really spiritual when somebody's pulling on you, pulling on you, pulling on you, and you don't say, hey, I'm not God. <laughs> Quit it. But see, when both people begin to mature and grow, and I'm not looking to you. You know, people laugh sometimes when they hear me say things like this. We know Phyllis, she learned years ago about sewing and reaping on clothes and jewelry and stuff. I mean, she told me one time, she said, I'm going to sew a bunch of my clothes. I said, help yourself. Boy, she cleaned the closet out, man. And then somebody said, oh, Brother Keith, you're going to have to go buy her all new clothes. I said, well, I'm not her source. That's all. I can buy her stuff if I want to, but she's not limited to what I can do for her. And so if I'm wanting something or needing something, I don't put pressure on her. I don't say, please, 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 can I buy a new motorcycle? Please. She don't say, please, please, you know, give me some furniture. Please get me some better clothes. Please. I'm not her source. She's not my source. She knows how to look to the Lord for herself. I know how to look to the Lord for myself. Boy, it takes pressure off. I said it takes pressure off. I said it takes pressure off. It takes pressure off. I'm not pushing on her. I'm not pulling on her. She's not pushing on me. She's not pulling on me. What do we do? We sow our seed. We look to God. Right? How many of you can do the same thing for your emotional needs? You can do the same thing for what you feel like you're not getting in your heart or this or that. Commit it to the Lord. Look to Him. He can either give it to you or He can give it through your spouse to you in different ways. But you still look to Him, not to them. Go to, uh, what is this? I believe it's Judges. Let's look at another one. Is this okay tonight? Judges 14. This is about a man named Samson. He had trouble with his relationships with women. Didn't he? And uh, he kept making the same mistake. In Judges 14 and verse 16. Everybody okay now you? Huh? Everybody happy? Good. Judges 14, are you there? Samson got his eyes on this Philistine woman. And, uh, you know, he told uh, some of the men of that place a riddle. And if they couldn't figure it out, they're supposed to give him some clothes and some stuff. And if they do figure it out, he's supposed to give them some clothes. It's like a bet. 
involves a good bit of money. Well, these guys came and put pressure on his uh, fiance, I guess it was. And they pressured her to find out what the riddle was so that they could uh, win the bet. And in Judges 14 and 16, Samson's wife wept before him. And she said, you just hate me. And you don't love me. You put forth a riddle to the children of my people and you didn't tell me. And he said, well, I ain't told it my father and mother. And shall I tell it you now? And she wept before him the seven days, the whole time, cried seven days in a row. How many of that gets old? That gets, it's crying. Why? What's he crying about? <laughs> Come on now, guys. I, uh, I'm reading the Bible. Right? I said, well, you're just, you're just talking about the women. Yeah, you know, I looked for cases where men had done this, but I just couldn't find it. <laughs> no, that's not true. I'm going to show you one in just a minute about a man. It's actually worse than some of these. Reason I had to say that because that's some folk shutting down on me. They're going like, <laughs> "This is just another story about a woman." Now this is another Bible verse. It's Bible. Remember that Bible. <laughs> say it about what you think or about what I think. Bible is the deal. Seven days. All night and all day crying. You don't love me. You just hate me. Because if you love me, you'd tell me your story. You'd tell me the riddle. And the Bible said, It came to pass on the seventh day that he told her because she lay sore on him. (laughs) She lay sore on him. And so, you know, it caused all kind of trouble. Skip to the 16th chapter and look at this. He found him another woman. <laughs> Delilah. You remember her? Whew. You think he'd have learned something from that first go round there. <laughs> Delilah began to, to ride him about, tell me why you're so strong. Well, this is supernatural. Why are you so strong? And verse 15. Verse 15. She said to him. How can you say. I love you. Your heart's not with me. You had not told me. Where your great strength lies. Now, now, now listen to this friend. When people begin to pressure you. Man or woman. Begin to pressure you. If you love me. You do this for me. They're telling you. They don't love you. If they loved you. They wouldn't pressure you like this. If they loved you, they wouldn't be trying to suck something and pull something out of you. If they loved you, they'd want to give you something. Are you with me now? We're going to see this even more clear in just a minute with this situation with a man I told you about. But when people are pulling on you, you don't love me. If you love me, you do this for me. 
They're telling you they love their self. And they love what you can do for them. That's got nothing to do with them loving you. Did you hear me? They're tell- they don't mean to, but they're telling you they don't love you. They love their self. They want you to do something else for them. If you loved me, if you loved me. You hear these words when it starts off like that. If you love me, you would do this for me. They're telling you they don't love you. More of this gimme, gimme. And the Bible said in verse 16, it came to pass, she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. Man, can it really be that serious? Another translation says, she kept asking him day after day. He got so sick and tired of her bothering him about it. Another one said, it came to pass, she pressed him daily with her words and urged him that his soul was annoyed to death. Another one said, she nagged him till he couldn't stand it any longer. (laughs) Is that parasitic? Yeah, yeah. Go with me to the next one. It's about a man. Second Samuel 13. Second Samuel 13. You'll recognize it as we begin to, to talk about it. David had a son named Amnon. And he had a daughter named Tamar. And in Second Samuel 13, 1. He said, it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister. That means she was very attractive, whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. He what? He loved her. And Amnon was so vexed. Is that what love does to you? Love vexes you? The God kind of love? No. He was so vexed. That he fell sick for his sister Tamar. For she was a virgin. And Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. He loved her, right? That's what he said. He said he's in love with her. Head over heels. He was love sick. Literally. He was so in love with her. That it made him physically sick. He got ill. He couldn't go about his regular duties. Now, I know a lot of you know the rest of the story, but you do understand this is what huge portion of the world is calling love. Right? We're in love. Love sick. But you know the story goes on that uh, Amnon had a friend named Jonadab and he said, look, here's what you do. You lay on the bed so that everybody knows you're sick. Word will get back to your, your father. And uh, when he sends word to say, can I do anything for you? You say, well, you know, maybe you could send Tamar uh, to bring me a, a good hot meal. And so that's what happened. And when David sent her to his house and he went in, she went in and took flour, kneaded, made him some fresh cakes and cooked him a meal. And, and, and when she brought them to him, he refused to eat. 
Amnon said, have all the men out from me. They went out every man from him. And Amnon said to Tamar, bring me the food into the, the bedroom here that I may eat. So Tamar took the cakes and brought them in. And when she brought them to him to eat, verse 11, he took hold of her and he said, come, lie with me, my sister. Have relations with me. And she answered him, no, my brother, do not force me. Did you notice this word right here? Force. Force. This is another side of the same thing. Let's just stop right here. How many ever got uh, bit by a mosquito? Huh? Did you donate that blood? <laughs> what? Did you, did you volunteer? And do, or was it taken from you? By force. Right? Force. Suckers are forcers. Suckers not only pull on you to do things, but they push you. To do what they want you to do. Suckers are pushers. Suckers are forcers. We saw a couple of women who were suckers. Here's a man who's a sucker. And it involves what? Force. Force. And uh, she, she began to plead with him. She said, uh, do not force me. No such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not this folly. I mean, she, uh, he was her half-brother. And she said, where will I cause my shame to go after this? And for you, you'll be as one of the fools in Israel. You'll lose all respect. She was giving him good counsel. She was telling him wisdom. How many understand there is no wisdom in sin? Anybody that would be wise about sin before they did it would decide not to do it. Right? When you look, when I do this, and then this is going to happen, and it's going to cost me this, there's no wisdom in sin. But, verse 14, he would not hearken to her voice, but being stronger than she, did what? There's that word again. Forced her. Is this an edifying relationship? It's a parasitic. Right? Taking something from somebody by force. And don't, don't just think that this just applies to this man right here now. How many couples have gotten into that? And, you, and you'll see that it works out into divorce and into fights about the divorce. You are going to give me this. Both men and women. You will give me this. I'm going to make you do it. And people try through... All kinds of coercion, the giving people the cold shoulder, uh, nagging, pull it. There, there are myriad different ways of trying to make my husband or make my wife do what I want them to do. And any degree of that coercion or that force is fleshy and it's devilish. That's how demons are. They want to make you do something. They want to control you and force you. How many understand the Holy Spirit is not that way? He's not that way. I mean, the Holy Spirit will lead you and deal with you. But if you don't want to do it, he won't make you. He'll let you miss God. He'll let you rebel. He'll let you reject the things of God. It's not his will. He's not going to make you, though. You have to purposely yield to him. Right? So beware, now, friend, any time you get into some kind of mode of, I'm going to make this person do this. You are out of the Spirit. 
You're in the flesh and you are yielding yourself to wrong spirits. I'm telling you, they'll accommodate you and you'll get all these evil ideas. You'll get all these wicked plans and you'll become a dark individual. I'm talking about Christians. No, no. Someone said, what if my, what if my wife won't, won't ever do what she's supposed to do? Well, then she won't. What if my husband won't do what he's supposed to do? Well, then he won't. But God's not going to make him. And you better not try. Or you're going to mess up. Besides that, you're not a sucker. You're not a forcer. You're a what? You're a sower. And when you sow, do you ask for things in return? No, it's a free gift. Here, let me do this for you. What do you want? Nothing. And mean it. I said, and mean it. Let me do this for you. Ah, you're just trying to be sneaky. No, I just want to sow something to you. (laughs) What do you want? Nothing. They might not believe it at first if you've had a lot of problems, but eventually people will see that you really are not asking for anything. You've become a giver. How many know givers are blessed? Givers are blessed. Sowers are blessed. Sowers are also reapers. Right? Right? So he forced her. Forced her. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly. He did what? I thought he loved her. I thought he loved her so much that he got sick. Love sick. No, he, he never loved her. When you're trying to make somebody do something for you, you don't love them. When you're pulling on them night and day to do something for you, you don't love them. And you see how quickly this thing changes when people, you know, they don't get what they thought they wanted or what they thought it would be. Their so-called love turns into hate just like that. Oh, they hate you. Why? Well, they never loved you to start with. Love is not a feeling. God is love. I said God is love. He's love. Love gives. Love and faith puts no pressure on people. Love sows and gives. Can you say amen? Go with me in closing to the New Testament now. And look at the 13th chapter of Romans. This will be enough for us to think on and chew on this evening. And then we can go to the next parts of it tomorrow night. Romans 13. I heard Brother Hagin say this, Brother Kenneth Hagin, my spiritual father in the faith. He was a great one. Talk about love. Phyllis and I were close enough to them for years to watch their marriage on the inside, day in, day out, two in the morning, six in the morning, and cold and hot and hungry and every other kind of thing. And uh, they practiced love. Thanks be unto God. And uh, he used to say this all the time, people try to ask him about marriage and they try to become legalistic about marriage and and uh, even marriage and divorce and remarriage and, and uh, husbands and wives and these kind of things. And he, he was fond of saying this. He said, uh, in the new covenant, he said, we really have only one law concerning marriage. It is the law of love. 
And it is. And any passage that you look at is really in the New Testament, like, you know, 1 Corinthians 7 and different places where it talks about marriage relations. It is really an expounding on the law of love. Applying it in different ways. In Romans 13, notice this. This passage says that in different words. Romans 13 and verse 8. Owe no man anything but to what? Love one another. For he that loves, Romans 13, 8, has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not kill. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. If there's any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. All the law is summed up in this. Is that right? Verse 13, get this now. Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. You know what neighbor literally means? Nigh, N-I-G-H, bore. Nigh means near. Who are you supposed to love? Who Who are you supposed to see that you work no ill or harm to? Whoever's near you, right? Whoever you find yourself around, right? Well, who do you find yourself around more than other people? (laughs) So every morning when you wake up and and somebody's near you, (laughs) or when you go to bed or when you're at the table or any other time, what, what are you supposed to be thinking about in your actions? I must not do anything that works any harm to them. Right? I must not do anything that hurts them. I must not do anything that pulls out of them or takes away from them. I'm not a sucker. I'm an edifier. Amen? Amen. Amen. So what about me? Forget about you. (laughs) What about my needs? Forget about them. Get your mind off yourself. And it's amazing. You'll be so much happier when you forget about you. Forget about what you want, what you think you need. You get that off of your mind and just begin to sow into other people, your spouse, but everybody you're around, your, your co-workers, your children, everybody you're around, you're, you're seeing to it that I don't do it. My words, my actions do no harm to anybody that I'm around. I'm observing that all the time. And... The Bible said, don't let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, building up, that it might minister grace to the hearers. And isn't that what Ephesians 5 is talking about? We'll turn there and look at it. We'll close that way then. What did God intend when he ordained marriage? Did he intend all this fussing and fighting? And feuding, all night wrestling matches. and Did the Lord ordain such stuff? Misery? I mean, hellish, ungodly situation? Did, did he ordain any of that? No, what did he have in mind? What's, what's his will? What's his plan? Here's New Testament passage that deals with husbands and wives. In verse 22, he talked about how the wife should treat her husband. 
In verse 25, he talked about how the husband should treat his wife. And you skip down to verse 32. Ephesians 5, 32, he said, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Does that sound like he's sowing something into her? Does that sound like she's sowing something into him? What if you got a continuous sowing like that? What kind of marriage would that be? He's always sowing into her. She's always sowing into him. Speaking good things over each other. No matter what it looks or felt like. Sowing love, sowing faith, sowing grace. I'm telling you, Phyllis and I went from where we were those many years ago until, man, the last few years, since we got here, the Lord's blessed us and blessed us. We've been able to give each other stuff. And not because we were pulling on each other for it. You'll find that so many times when you quit fussing and pulling and you stop that that's when the stuff begins to come now I mean she she's bought me motorcycles and diamond watches I've bought her pearls and and all kind of stuff I mean it just keeps flowing and going and not because we're trying to do it she wants to bless me I want to bless her but that's the small stuff She knows I believe in her. I know she believes in me. She knows I'm with her. I'm not going to forsake her. I'm not going to run off with somebody else tomorrow. She doesn't live in fear about anything like that. I know the same about her. That's good living. I said, that's good living. You don't don't wake up every morning and go, who is she on the phone with? I wonder what that was about. Why didn't she wear that outfit today? Where were you? I'm sure you went to see a man about a dog. <laughs> That's an old southern saying. Where were you? We don't, we don't do that. Hmm? One thing you learn, you learn to cast your cares over on the Lord. People are going to do what they want to do. I mean, if they want to cheat on you, they're going to do it. You might as well, might as well get to victory. And if they decide they want to leave you, well, then they're not the quality you wanted to keep. Did you hear me? You still got God. Right? But when when you begin to grow something like this, and you quit pressuring, and you quit pulling, and you quit trying to force, and you really begin to live by faith and love, man, you get free. The pressure comes off of you. You get free. Then you can really live. You learn how to receive as, as, as well as to give. Oh, thanks be unto God. How many believe this is what God had intended? I mean, virtual manifestations of heaven on the earth. Houses full of peace. Full of joy. Houses full of comfort. People full of faith. Security. Foundation. That's what's ours. That's what is our right. That's what belongs to us. But it doesn't come by people being lazy and selfish and hollering like the leech. Gimme, gimme. It comes by people acting on the word and becoming givers and investors and sowers. Can you say amen? Amen. Go ahead and stand on your feet, please. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord.
thank you, thank you, thank you. Phyllis, would you come please and join me to pray over the people here for a minute? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, one passage I didn't get to that was in my notes is the passage about the man that owed this huge sum. You remember that? And he was called before his Lord and he couldn't pay it, so he's turned over to the creditors and his family sold. Excuse me, he was going to be. And then he said, Lord, if you'll have mercy on me, give me time, I'll pay you everything back. And so the Lord of that servant had mercy on him and just forgave him the whole debt. And then he went out and not long later found somebody that owed him 20 bucks. And the Bible said he laid hold on one said he grappled them. He grabbed them by the throat and started shaking them saying, pay me what you owe me. And how many know what happened to that man? He cut himself off from grace. Next thing you know, his debt was back on him and he was under bondage to pay it off. You must release anything and everything that you feel like somebody owes you. Well, they've been mean to me. Got to release it. They did me dirty. They hadn't done me right. Well, you got you to forgive. If you don't forgive them, God won't forgive you. That's Bible. We're going to do that right now. This is a good place to start. Get a clean slate. Amen. Get to the place where we can say they owe me nothing. Nothing. Close your eyes. Everybody said out loud, Father God, I respect your word. Your word is right. Help me to make any changes necessary so that I am no parasite. I am no leech. I am no sucker. I'm not needy, pulling on people all the time or ever. Help me to be strong, to be a giver every day and every night, to be one who sows good seed and makes investments into people round about me. So that everybody around about me is encouraged and edified in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray concerning anybody, my spouse, people close to me that have wronged me, that have hurt me, either truly or imagined. I forgive them. I release them from anything that they've done wrong to me, any ways that they've hurt me through what they said or didn't say, through what they did or didn't do. I forgive them of everything. I release them. They owe me nothing, not an explanation. They owe me nothing, nothing, not an apology, 
They owe me nothing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Begin to lift your hands and praise the Lord. Give Him thanks. Give Him thanks. Give Him thanks. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.